Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of To The Point Podcast. Was doing well on this Tuesday. What a game last night. The Memorial Cup semifinal between the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Schwinnigan Cataracts. We're going to dive into a lot of that today. Really enjoyed the game. You know, I talked yesterday about the NHL being done, hockey being done for a long time. But we get that great game last night, which 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 was awesome to watch. And then I find out that I get you know there's a ticket waiting for me to go to the final. So there's gonna be no show tomorrow because I'm going to the Memorial Cup final. So I'm looking forward to that to see to see the Bulldogs play the St. John's the two dogs, Bulldogs and Sea Dogs meet up in the final in St. John. And I'm very fortunate. I've got friends that uh, have the ability to get these tickets. Uh, and happy to say that I went to the Memorial Cup final in Halifax. And I'm going to be at the Memorial Cup final in St. John. So pretty cool on both fronts. I, I, I'm happy that I get to go. I'm looking forward to the game. And, you know, uh, good uh, St. John, it looks like it's been a great thing for the province. I'm happy for that as well. But we'll talk about that game. We're also going to touch on today some Wimbledon storylines already that I find fascinating. One that's really heartbreaking for me when it comes to uh, an issue that really shouldn't still be talked about, but yet it is in, in Wimbledon. And we got two Canadians in trouble in the men's draw. And I remember talking after the French Open where Felix Ogiali seemed at a great tournament. I predicted that. There's a very good chance he loses in the first round. He might. He's down two sets to one. Dennis is down two sets to one as well. So both of the Canadian men in trouble. That draw is going to be wide open. Nadal survived with a four-set win today. Um, we're going to talk about that today. Sheamus is going to join. And we're going to talk uh, There's some NBA that are interesting storylines with free agency opening up technically Thursday night, Friday. So we're going to talk about where we see these type players moving. We're going to make some predictions on player movement, things of that nature. So we're going to get into a lot of that today. And I'm also going to ask Seamus about the Hall of Fame take that I had yesterday, where if you, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And one of the things I touched on yesterday on the fly live, because it came up as I was doing the show, was that I didn't believe that Daniel Alfredson was a, was a Hall of Famer. He was, you know, yesterday the Sedin twins were announced. You had Roberto Luongo, a plethora of others. I was fine with all of them. The only one for me that didn't sit well was Daniel Alfredson. I don't believe he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. I don't believe he's he's a good player, not a great player. To me, the Hall of Fame is full of great players. It's not meant for good good players. It has to be the elite of the elite. And... I, I want to ask Seamus's opinion on this. And if you're listening, feel free to leave your comment because I, 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 I had a few people reach out that disagreed with me, which I'm, I'm all for. I love the conversation. He's definitely a polarizing player. And what I find the most interesting about this debate, the most interesting about this topic is I get, well, he was a captain for 10 plus years. I get that but he was also a captain of a team in Canadian market. And that obviously helps you. That helps your profile. That helps you get notoriety. And I, I just, I look at the whole grand scheme of things. I think he was a good player, not a great one. 
and being a Canadian market helped him. And I believe it's going to help, help him get to the hockey hall of fame where Alex McGillney has had a better career. Alex McGinley, Alex McGinley has won a Stanley cup. He's, he, he's been at the big stages. He's, he's got more points than Alfredson. He's been in these big moments. He's not in the hall of fame. Why? So because McGillney played the majority of his career outside of Canada. He was on the lease for a cup of coffee, but that was towards the end of his career. But why is he, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Alfredson is. Alfredson going in, I think, opens the door for the Hall of Fame to be a little more watered down. I looked at the list of guys that were eligible that didn't go in. Jeremy Roenick. To me, Jeremy, if Danny Alfredson's a Hall of Famer, Jeremy Roenick is. Keith Kachuk, Keith Kachuk, Hall of Famer to me. So I'm just curious to see where these where this goes. Alfredson was a player that was that played on the edge. He wasn't this great guy, and he did nothing wrong. That that, that seems to be a narrative that I just don't think is true. I never believe that to be true. Where you have guys on the edge like Aronic. Like, like a Keith Kachuk, who played on the edge in their career, have made statements, do things you know, when their career is over that maybe people don't view as PG, maybe people don't like on their everyday lives, and I get it. But what you do after your career should have nothing to do with what happened to you on the ice. <clears throat> Kurt Schilling has gotten this treatment in baseball. Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. His politics, do I agree with all of them? No. But his ability to pitch on the diamond, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. So I I just, these voters, and this is where it gets so, I don't know, I tried to look up who votes in the Hockey Hall of Fame because I was generally curious. I want to know each person. You can't find that information. I couldn't find it, which bothers me too because I think we should have a right to know who's voting for this. As hockey fans, I have a lot of goals in my life. I want to have my own podcast. I want to do my own show for a living. I I want to work in the United States. You know, there's a lot of different things in my checklist. If I could eventually have a vote for the Hall of Fame for these type things, that, that would be incredible. That's something I, I would love to. And any major sport, I mean, that would be an incredible honor. I would take it incredibly seriously. But to me, you're given that responsibility. You're, you're put in that situation. You have to vote based on what happens on the ice. Based on what that person did when it comes to productivity in their career. Not based on, I don't like what they do when their career is over. Because I don't think we do that in other walks of life. I don't think we do that... You look at politicians. Politicians do things in their in the present, in before they're elected, after they're elected, and they're all pretty well viewed the same way. Is Donald Trump viewed any more negatively, any more positively than he was when he was, you know, the commander in chief? I don't think so. 
does Hillary Clinton look worse because of her emails before and after or is her career tainted? No, she's just viewed as a as a politician that could never win the big race. It's irrelevant what happens after. Bill Clinton cheated on Hillary Clinton. He's loved. He's a guy that, in my mind, is a, around the United States. Bill Clinton is a well-liked president. He didn't have great. He didn't have a great presence. He he committed adultery. He did things that are that are wrong. That as a society we view as something that you should not do. But yet he's regarded the same way. So why in sports is it not that way? Why was Terrell Owens voted in on his third attempt to get into the Hall of Fame? Because people didn't like him? Because he had a lot to say in the media after? His production, he has the second most receiving yards ever. He has more receiving yards than Randy Moss. Randy Moss was a first ballot. And if it was about being a team obliterator, Randy Moss was accused of quitting in Minnesota, was accused of quitting in Oakland. So I just think we need to find a balance here. This isn't a, a, about Daniel Alfredson, so to speak. But it's about certain people that don't get in that bother me. McGillney's been waiting four years. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Why was Martin St. Louis just a, an easy first ballot Hall of Famer? He, he was a good player. But I remember his great run to win the Cup in 04. But I also remember him bitching about not making the Olympic team. I also remember Martin St. Louis quitting on the Tampa Bay Lightning and saying, trade me to Stevie, Stevie Eiserman. That doesn't get brought up. It's just all the good things he does. And now he gets a job hand over fist because he speaks the language, not because he earned it. So maybe I'm out of touch here. But to me, what in this instance, in life, you should be judged. You should be prosecuted, whatever the term is, whatever the verbiage. On what you say, what you do. What you did. Jeremy Roenick was a great hockey player. Skill, tenacity, bite, a tough son of a bitch. One of the toughest SOBs to ever lace them up. He changed the game, if you ask me, because he was a different kind of player. He changed what, how you view those type, an American forward. He brought in a new era of guys. Before Jeremy Roan, before Mike Medano, Jeremy Roenick was was talked about as being the best American forward ever. He started that lineage. Walt, Heath Kachuk. Was a first round pick. He scored goals. He fought. He whatever you had to do. See everybody's cup of tea now. No. And did Jeremy Roenick get fired from NBC? Yes. But that has nothing to do with his career in the NHL. Nothing. I just find it really upsetting 
that just because somebody makes a mistake in life, they are punished. And what happens later in life affects them when it comes to what they did in the present. Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk are Hall of Famers. To me, they're they're more of a Hall of Famer than Daniel Alfredson. Daniel Alfredson got voted in. Good for him. You know, the people of Ottawa are happy. The fans of Ottawa are happy. To me, he's not a Hall of Famer. We'll get more into this later. But I see this in every sport, and it bothers me. Why do some people get the easy way in? And others have to wait. Others have to basically beg to get into the Hall of Fame. You look at this year, every player played in the Canadian market. Every player, they got voted in. It's not lost on me that Jeremy Roenick never played in the Canadian market. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's not lost on me. To me, that's not a coincidence. I couldn't find the voters. But I like to think a lot of the voters for the Hockey Hall of Fame, because it's in Toronto, are Canadian. And it's this thing where, and it's, I don't know how we change it. But you watch who you cover. These beat writers, these people that, that get to vote for awards. It's not their fault that they only get to watch certain teams. You're covering the Maple Leafs, you're going to be watching the Maple Leafs. You cover the Canadians, you're watching most of the Montreal Canadiens games. You go through it. Uh, there was a voter that voted Kirill Kaprizov number one for MVP this year. Well, it might have been Michael Russo, who I, who I respect, who's a good writer for The Athletic. But it's likely that he gets to watch a lot of Minnesota games, watches a lot of games in the Central Division, and doesn't get to see as much of Canada because games conflict, there's only so much time in the day. You have to move on. But there has to be, and to me, it's, guys, there should be a panel of voters for these awards where you, hockey hall, and I'm saying Hockey Hall of Fame, I'm saying current awards in the NHL, where you are set aside to watch a number of each team and you have to mark it in. You have to, you have to have a log and say, I can, I watched this team tonight. I make sure I watch this team because otherwise you're only going to watch the teams that are, that are right in front of you. You're only going to watch the Leafs. You're only going to, going to watch Edmonton and hockey night in Canada. And you're going to say, fuck it to all the teams that are in the central, all the teams that are out West. Cause it's too late. Well, that doesn't mean that they don't have a player out there that was rocking it. Moritz Sider won the call to this year. He plays for the Detroit Red Wings. If there was anybody that was even close to being as good as him, I believe Morris Sider doesn't win it. He should have won it by a landslide. It should have been unanimous. Michael Bunting didn't even deserve a sniff for that award. He got first place votes. That's a travesty to me. And I know the the Professional Hockey Writers Association, because I saw Frank Cerevelli tweeted after. 
Yet again, we another year where we get it right. Well, okay. Did Austin Matthews de deserve the heart? Sure. I have no problem with that. Shesterkin had won it. I have no problem with that either. You go through it, you say, yeah, you know, they did a pretty good job. But anything and everything in life can be improved. I can improve on this show every day. We can improve in our jobs. We can improve our economy. It doesn't matter. Everything can be improved. Saying something's great, something's fine, something we don't need to work on this at all is, is a lazy way to look at life because you're being content. Being content is being satisfied. And that's a dangerous position to be in. If so many people are voting, why don't we have unanimous? Why don't we have where all of the votes make sense? Where we weed out the bad ones. Where, And maybe it's not about the awards. Maybe it's not about the heart. Maybe it's not. In, but I do think those can be improved as well. Because like I said, cider, that should be a unanimous win. Michael Bunting shouldn't get a sniff of that award. Not even close. Not even close. Neither should have Trevor Zegras. It was a landslide. Mo Sider. I knew it was going to happen from October. I knew the kid was going to be a rock star. I think he's going to win the Norris in his career. So, Hall of Fame, individual awards, we can do better. And my idea for all of this, Hockey Hall of Famers should have to go, Hockey Hall of Fame voters should have to go through tape and watch old these old these players play back in the day. See what they did. See what they did on a game-to-game -game basis. It's homework, but it's a big job. This isn't a joke for me. This isn't just, oh, well, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. Let's debate it. Talk about it for five seconds. Go through the, the exercise and really find out who is and who isn't. Don't just say, well, oh, I'm Daniel Alfredson, that's a big name. I know him. He's a Hall of Famer. That's what happened. They look and go, oh, my God, we haven't voted in Daniel Alfredson yet. We got you now. He played for the Senators. He was a captain. Yada, yada, yada. Nobody's going to step up in, in a room and say, well, Jeremy Roenick, let's put him in. Nobody. No, I don't even have to be in the room to know it. And it's because of what happened at NBC. It's because of the look. Putting Jeremy Roenick in the Hall of Fame is like giving Colin Kaepernick a job. It just gives you a bad, it gives you a bad taste. It, it, it's bad press. You got to deal with it. You got to say, well, what happened here? Why is he? I don't know. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, but I, this is important to me. This shit is important. I say this all the time, and I truly mean it. The most important aspect of my life is sports. My immediate family, of course, but right there is sports. I watch it every day. I watch at least a sport every day. I've been tracking it. I've been watching. I've watched at least part of a game, a part of a sporting event for the last 596 days. I had a break in there. The last time I did not watch a sporting event, I have the day. I'll find it. Next podcast I do, I'll bring it up. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was really hungover. And it was outside of the football season. I didn't. Get, I didn't watch anything. 
barely opened my eyes that day. Since then, I was in university. I have not missed it. I haven't gone a day or I haven't watched a sporting event. So being a historian, this is my, my life. I want the best to be rewarded. I want the people that work that had a great, great career to be put in. There's, you can have, you know why there's, you retire players' jerseys. You have your ring of honor for players like Danny Alfredson. Ottawa can acknowledge him forever. Retire his number. Ring of honor. Make him your co-GM. Whatever you want to do. But that does not mean he's a Hall of Famer. But right now he is because of where he came from and because... You have guys like Kachuk, like Roenick, for, and for some reason Alex McGinley that don't get the, the accolades, don't get the praise that he does. This can be improved. To me, transparency in life is key. Being up front is key. I don't think we do it enough. Where you see somebody, you know where they stand, and you go from there. It's something where, how did you come to this conclusion? All we hear is these are the, the class of 2022. And you read a blurb about all of them, and then you move on with your day. Well, why isn't there a panel? Why isn't there a 20-minute video on YouTube that tells us why each person got voted and tell us the vote, how it went down, how they got put into the Hockey Hall of Fame? What was the process like? How long did it take? We don't know this about the Lou Marsh Award either, the best athlete in Canada. How does that process work? How does that person get voted? What's the voting like? What's the tally? We have a right to know that. As a public, as hockey fans, as sports fans, we want to know, how'd you come to that conclusion? That should be transparent in today's world where you can gamble on if somebody's going to be a Hall of Famer. You can. Futures, bets. There's a... I looked on FanDuel recently. This just popped up. You can bet on a Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, to me, he absolutely is. The two-time Super Bowl champion. He, he's been a phenomenal competitor. He... It, he missed he only missed the playoffs once in his career. So he's been consistent his entire career in Pittsburgh. But he's had some scandals. He said some stuff outside the field. Will that keep him from being a first bout? But you can gamble on if somebody's gonna be a Hall of Famer. If you can gamble on it, you deserve an explanation why he isn't. You deserve to hear 
Why? Does his character, will his character keep him out of being a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer eventually, but will he get there? I'll put it like this, to be blunt. OJ Simpson is a terrible human being. He killed people. I'm not breaking any news here. But is OJ Simpson a Hall of Fame football talent? You bet. He got removed from the Pro Football Hall of Fame after he was put on trial. Oddly enough, he was found not guilty, but I think we know what happened there. But to me, should OJ Simpson be still be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes, he had, he had terrible actions. But this is the hockey, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not a morality club. It's not about who praises Jesus the best. Otherwise, Ray Lewis would be the best hall, the best player in the history of the NFL, would be the best Hall of Famer ever, because nobody loves Jesus more than Ray. And he might have been, he might have done the exact same thing that OJ Simpson did, but nobody talks about that because that's good old Ray Lewis. That's I'm not even getting into it. Get myself in trouble today. But you just see the hypocr- the hypocrisy here that I'm pointing out. And I've gone 25 minutes on this conversation, but to me, it's something worth looking into. It's something that we can improve on. As humans, we all make mistakes. We all, I mean, it doesn't matter. You do anything in life and somebody tells you, oh, I think you did that wrong. I, mean, I don't like to hear that. But it's the people that can hear it and be you know what? I see your point here. I could be better at this. Maybe I won't say it this way. Maybe I'll write it a different way. And you take the constructive criticism and you use it positively. Where I look at these voters, if you ask them to do something different, you, you critique them on anything, they come at you on Twitter and say, you have no right. You're not a voter. You know nothing about hockey. What the hell do you know? You watch one team. And I don't need to point out who that team is. I feel like I'm picking on Dan Robertson and Michael Bunting today, but they're easy, they're easy targets because it's stupidity. Okay, I'm gonna ask Seamus about the Hall of Fame. If you're listening to podcasts and you're not gonna you're not gonna listen live, I'm gonna make a prediction right now before Seamus joins. Before he even hears what I'm gonna say. I'm going to ask him whether I whether he thinks Danny Overton's a hockey Hall of Famer. My guess, he's going to say yes. My guess is most of you listening believe he is, and I'm probably out in an island. That's fine. I swam with the Sharks before, but my guess is he's going to say he's a Hall of Famer, and we'll have a little debate about it. I don't think I'll be able to change. I don't think I'll be able to change his mind. I doubt he'll be able to change mine because I'm stubborn. And on this issue, I think I'm right. But if Daniel Overton goes into the Hall of Fame, and if that leads to change where other players get a look, other players get put into the Hall of Fame, I'm okay with it because at least it serves a purpose. At least we see change from this. Because there's too many good players that are sitting on the outside looking in that deserve to be in there with the likes of the Daniel Offensons. If he's going to be in there, these guys certainly deserve to be in there. 
and are still sitting waiting. But we'll, we'll see. It's interesting. It's a big topic. I think this can be improved. I was going to talk the Memorial Cup, but then I got on that tangent like I sometimes do. Let's get back there. Hamilton versus the Schwinnigan Cataracts last night in the semifinal. These two teams met last Thursday. I was at the game. The Cataracts come out with a 3-2 victory. And last night's game was far more entertaining than a week ago Thursday. It Watching the game last night, I thought Mason McTavish played his best game of the, the Memorial Cup. Not only because he had two points on the first two goals of the game, but he looked more involved. He looked intense. To me, he never fell asleep during the game. He was always around the puck. He back-checked. He made smart plays. He looked like an NHL talent. There are games where I find he patters off. He falls asleep. He's not involved in the play. Last night was not one of those for me. I, I like the kid a lot. I think he's going to be a really special talent. I think Anaheim's got a real gem with him. And I thought last night was a real an eye-opening game for people to say, this is the third overall pick. This is what he can do at the NHL level. He's going to be a handful to deal with. This kid's special. But he scores a nice power play goal. Uh, he finds a, a beautiful pass. But he was, was great. On the other side, I look at why the Cataracts lost this game. Certainly wasn't because of goaltending, because the goaltending, their goaltending with uh, Colom and then Marco Constantini was phenomenal for the Hamilton Bulldogs. But one real reason why the Cataracts lost in my mind is because Maverick Bork is the team. Maverick Bork is the engine, but he's also the, the steering wheel. He's also the gears, he, whatever, all the aspects to a vehicle that you need, he is it. Xavier Borgo is a good player. To me, he's a guy that is an interesting piece. He's a better player coming out of junior than Raphael Lavoie, who the Edmonton Oilers also have drafted, who, if you recall, played for the Halifax Mooseheads. He's got a big shot, played for the World Junior Team. He, he was a, a raw player, not a great skater. Borgo's a better skater, and I think he has more he's better passing ability than Lavoie ever did to this day, still does. So that's a good part of Xavier Borgo's game. I like Isaac Menard on the back end, number eight, if you're watching last night. He's very offensive-oriented. He's on the third defense pair because defensively he's a bit of a liability, but he brings a lot to the table offensively. He's a good player. You know, uh, Dubé is Martin Haas. They have some players, but Bork is the engine. He creates the opportunities. He scores on opportunities. He is just the straw that stirs the drink for it's the cataracts. And last night, he does everything he can. He's all around the puck. He does get some help from Viet, who tips one home right in front with 9.59 left to put the cataracts up 3-2. to two. But... He's got a great shot. That's something that I didn't know that was that strong about his game. He's got a great snap slap, slash slap shot. And he, he, he's, he's a guy that I think can score at the next level. And he's just his hockey IQ is through the roof. 
But I, for me, Hamilton just had more. They had better high-end natural scores. I thought Avery Hayes had a great game last night. He had one of his best games of the tournament thus far. He made a great play in the Logan Morrison goal where he, he gets the puck to Winterton. Winterton's battling for the puck. Winterton's another player that, to me, is not going to be a first-line guy in the NHL. He's a third-round pick of the Seattle Kraken. But Ryan Winterton's a guy that goes and works for pucks. He's a guy that you, you look at players and you think, could this guy plug and play to be a depth piece into a playoff roster? I hear Bill Simmons talk about this all the time, who uh, does the Bill Simmons podcast on the ringer. He talks a lot about NBA. And he says, well, this guy getting drafted, because he could he plug in and play seven, eight minutes for, for the Celtics in the final because they didn't have a bench. Well, Winterton is a guy that I think could – find his way into the NHL sooner rather than later because his game at this, at the OHL level, at the CHL level is not predicated on him being a high end scorer. He's not a guy that's going to need to learn how to get away from being that high end scorer, being just a complete skill guy and going into a league full of guys that are more skilled and more strong than him. Winterton's game is about work ethic. It's about drive. It's about hunger for the puck. To me, he's a guy that can play sooner rather than later at the NHL level. Alex Newhook had some high-end skill. He gets an opportunity as a young kid. He wins a Stanley Cup. Winterton, especially on a Seattle team, can plug in, play a bottom six role, maybe your second-line winger, a Zach Hyman-type role, if you will, with, with some very good offensive players. And he will go into the corners, get pucks. He'll kill penalties. And I could see him scoring 20 goals in a season just because he's playing with good players. He'll be around the net and score some greasy goals. But that I like him a lot as well. We got Winterton. I mentioned McTavish, Avery Hayes, and then you had Logan Morrison finally get on the board to tie the game with uh, about 6.01 left in the game. Beautiful shot from, from, um, from Logan Morrison, who, who was snake bit the entire tournament. He, find, he snaps one quick past uh, past Colum. And then we get to overtime, and Jan Mishak, the second-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, deflects one from Yizhak from the point past, past Colum. And it's heartbreaking first one again. You see these kids, they're young. Uh, you know, Bork is just crying. He doesn't know what to do. And it, it's a tough handshake line. And it's so so much excitement for the Bulldogs and so much disappointment for for the Cataracts. But I look at at these at these teams, and to me, Bork is going to be a really good NHL player. Winterton is going to be an NHL player. McTavish is going to be an NHL player. Marco Constantini is a very good goaltender. He's really impressed me throughout this tournament. He's had times where you look at him and go, "That's a goal you want back." He had a few last night where you can look at it that way. But he was solid in the big moments. Shawinigan played a much better overtime period early on. Constantini made some big saves. And eventually they he makes a, a couple big saves, goes back down the ice, and they find a way to end the game. But there are a ton of guys that I see in just playing in this game that are going to be NHL talents. And all for different reasons. Because you can't be the most skilled player. Like Logan Morrison is undrafted. Look at the Hamilton Bulldogs roster. Logan Morrison, Avery Hayes, 
Nathan, St- uh, Nathan Steos, who got an assist on, on the game-winning goal. Those three players are all undrafted. Logan Morrison's 19. Avery Hayes is 19. Nathan Steos is an overager. He's 21. I think all those three guys are going to get opportunities to play at the next level. I think all three guys will be playing in the American Hockey League next year. Because Steos, yes, he's 21. They could He could play CIS. He could be playing university hockey. To me, he's a guy you take a chance on. He's got good skating ability. He's a physical guy. He doesn't have the greatest shot, but he, he was the OHL defenseman of the year this year. He's a guy where he has an opportunity to go wherever he wants. He wasn't drafted. He gets to pick and choose where he starts his career. Sometimes that's an advantageous position. He gets to choose. He doesn't have to go to a team. He doesn't have to go through that draft process. He gets to talk to teams and make a decision after this, after this season is over. For Logan Morrison, same thing. I think he's had a tough uh, Memorial Cup where he was so dominant in the OHL playoffs, was so dominant in the regular season for Hamilton. And he'll be looking to, to be big in, in, the, in the final game. But he's smart. He's got size. He's good on faceoffs. He's all over the puck. I, I like him a lot. I think he'll have to figure out his niche if he's going to be an NHL player. But you can go to the American League and do that. Is you know He's a high-end skill player here. But he does have the body where I think he could be a checker. He could be a, a center iceman that defends really well and, and plays a role like that where you have to shut down the opposing team's top line and with the right coaching and with the right situation, he could do that for, for a team in at the NHL, at the AHL level next season. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes for these type guys. But I really like those guys. Maverick Bork for Schwinnigan. I mentioned Borgo's drafted. They got a few other guys on that roster that are, but – to me, Hamilton just had more high-end talent, has more options when it comes to scoring big goals and big moments. Meshack was quite quiet in this tournament before he gets the game winner, but he's again he's a high he's a 49th pick in the draft. He's a second-round pick. He was high to Montreal, and they have that on their team. Winterton was a third rounder. Meshack's a second rounder, and you look at their best players; they're undrafted. So it's the Bulldogs are a very good team, and with that, the Bulldogs. We'll meet the Sea Dogs tomorrow night in the Memorial Cup final. And, you know, the Sea Dogs are so interesting because Gardner McDougal is, is the head coach. They fired, they fired their head coach after they lose in the first round, which is crazy. They bring in Gardner, and, you know, he's shaking it up. They, they've beaten the Cataracts. They, their only loss is to the Edmonton Oil Kings. They beat Hamilton in the first game of the tournament. So they put, this will be a rematch where these two teams met a week ago yesterday and they played tomorrow. It'll be nine days apart. And St. John is riding high. They feel good about themselves. You know, William Duf- Dufour is having a great tournament. He, he, he looks, he's, he's got six goals for the tournament. He's, he's playing fantastic. You can't say anything bad about him right now. And you, you look at that team in general, the goaltending is playing extremely well in St. John. They have all the confidence in the world. They haven't played since Saturday. But I'm going to look at this game, and I mentioned high-end talent. I like Josh Lawrence a lot. I like Dufour on St. John. They got Jan Kuznetsov on the back end. has been chipping in offensively. Jeremy Poirier is a guy that is 
almost usually doesn't do anything on the ice for me. But they got a good team in St. John. They traded guys to be good come the Memorial Cup, and they are. And McDougal has this team feeling very confident, and I expect them to play well tomorrow night. But I'm going to pick the Bulldogs to win the Memorial Cup because of the high-end talent and because they've, they've gone through hardships. The Bulldogs had to beat the Oil Kings last Friday night. It was win or go home. They won it. Then they played the Cataracts last night, who they lost to in the round robin. Have to win the events to the final. They got it out, tie the game with 6.04 left, go into overtime and find a way to win. This Hamilton team has been playing on their face for, for close to a week. And they've overcome it. They've gotten this far. I expect them to wrap it up tomorrow. The I think the Ameri- the OHL is going to be taking home the Memorial Cup this year. And... I think it will be a close game because St. John's going to bring all they got. They both these teams, it, it's it it's just like the NHL, but in different ways. You're traded away all your assets to be in a position to win the Memorial Cup. You're not going to have picks next year. You're not going to be a team that likely contends next year. It's so rare to see the Windsor Spitfires in 08 and then in 09 repeat as Memorial Cup champions. It can happen, but it's rare. So for these teams, you've traded away your future to win right now. And you know if you don't win this year, it may be a long time before you get back into this position. So I'm looking forward to the game. As I said, I expect the Bulldogs to win, but I think it'll be a one-goal game. I think it'll be very close. And for I want to see McTavish have another great game. I thought he played really well last night. I thought he was engaged the entire night. He's a key to, for, for the Bulldogs. And for St. John, I look at their depth. Riley Bezo, the third and fourth lines for this team need to produce because the high-end talent of the Hamilton Bulldogs may just shine through. White, I didn't even mention him on the Bulldogs on the back end. I like him a lot. I think he skates really well. I think he's smart with the puck. They got a lot of guys that are going to be playing pro. I don't think St. John has as many guys that are going to be playing pro in the not-too-distant future. So, you know, the Q has done very well at winning Memorial Cups. In in uh, Halifax a few years ago, it was Rain Aranda playing Halifax in the final. Rain Aranda beat Halifax on home ice. They upended the host. But the Q, the the Memorial Cups stay with the QMJHL. Now St. John has the opportunity to keep keep the trophy in the queue by defeating the Hamilton Bulldogs on, on Wednesday night. But I don't see it happening. St. John is a very good team. They're confident. They're riding high. And based on, again, I don't listen to the sound of the games, but I've heard from people that the it was electric last night, that the crowd was into it. That was a great atmosphere to watch a hockey game. I expect it to be even louder tomorrow because it's going to be filled with St. John Seadogs fans. It's going to be a home game in a Memorial Cup final. This isn't like the Super Bowl where there is, other than the last two years, you don't get a home field advantage. It's neutral site. It's people that have the money to buy tickets to get their ass there. They could be a Vikings fan watching the Chiefs and the Bengals. So... With all that being said, 
I expect a close game, but I believe Hamilton has more than St. John, and they will come out on top. But I'm looking forward to watching the game because I got to watch Hamilton last week, and some guys didn't stand out to me as much as they did last night, where I thought they all played really well. So I want to see what kind of performance they put on in another must-win game. This will be Hamilton's third straight must-win game where they have to find a way to win it. But they had a seven-game series against Windsor. They won it in Game 7. They've had two must-win games in this tournament. They defeat Edmonton. They defeat Schoenigan. They have been on their face for a long time. They've been in games where it's must-win three different times this year. They, they um, Game 5 against Windsor, they win it in overtime. They lose Game 6. They win Game 7. Beat Edmonton here, then beat Schoenigan. So they've been in these games for a while. You could say they're playing with fire, and it might eventually catch up to them. But I look at this team, Jay McGee coaching it, and I think they will they will win this year's Memorial Cup. But as I mentioned, I'll be at the game tomorrow. Thursday we will have a show, and we'll recap that game, where it goes, and all of that. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens tomorrow night in St. John, New Brunswick. There's an interesting story with the NHL draft. And I, I want to touch on it because Bob McKenzie does his draft rankings every year where he goes around and talks to different scouts, talks to coaches, talks to the management people in the NHL. And they, he comes out and a few times a year releases his draft rankings. And it's all based on what he's heard from people. And throughout this entire season and primarily his list doesn't change. You get it in October, it's the same in January, it's the same in March, it's the same in late June. But there was a change today where Yurak Slavovsky is number one on Bob McKenzie's big board. He surpassed Shane Wright, and based on the scouts he's talked to, Slavovsky is the top prospect in the 2022 NHL draft. Now, as I see Shane is going to join us, I find this fascinating for multiple reasons. Number one, because I think Slavovsky is the best prospect. But I also think pandemonium may ensue because the Montreal Canadiens are on the clock. And the number one prospect is a left winger. And he's also a European, which makes people in Canada just want to shake in their boots, which is even more funny. But I see Seamus is joining us with a nice, nice button up today. With Oh, it's a, a golf shirt. I thought, I thought it had more than one button, but. Nike uh, Nike golf shirt. Uh, did you get to the links today, Shay? No, I just thought I'd dress up for you because uh, you dress up every day. So get out of my usual hoodie or or greasy T-shirt that I'm usually wearing. So no, well, it's interesting. Interesting what you say. I, I trust the Bob father. So if he says that this kid from Europe is supposed to be pretty good, I, I follow through with him. But drafting so difficult. I mean, look at. Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer, nothing wrong with Nico Heischer, but there's so many better picks in that draft after those two bozos, like Kale McCarr just won the Norris, Conn Smythe, the Stanley Cup. So as good as drafting is, you'll never really know until four or five years after. Yeah, you're uh, you're cutting in and out, Shay, so I'm just going to... Oh, one second. 
Probably too much going on here. Too many files. Too many files. The Anderson too many files. Files open. It's my issue. Work too much. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. No, you're good. I could hear you. You're just like every sixth or seventh word. You're cutting out. So I just wanted to see what. Okay. Was if I'm still cutting out, you just you just give me the the shake. How are things in your world? Good. Good. Yeah. No. Uh, it's another beautiful day. I can't complain about that. And. Great game uh, in St. John mm. last night, which I know you attended with the uh, the Bulldogs uh, defeating the it's the Cataracts as we like to call them uh, in overtime. But uh, you were in the building. I, I was saying, I heard a few people say the atmosphere is great. I, I obviously had the game on mute, but what uh, what was it like being in the building for that one? No, the atmosphere was great. I, I will have to agree with that. Um, a lot of Hamilton fans, uh, which was which was strange, but still, uh, you know, it was great. A lot of cheering going on, a lot of boos for two teams that aren't St. John. Um, and, you know, overall it was a good game. There was some sloppy play. There was, you know, some times where it felt like things just couldn't get going for either team. Uh, but kudos to both those goalies, especially Shawinigan's goalie played really, really well. I was really impressed with him. Um, and I texted you yesterday. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't super happy with the two stars on both teams. Uh, McTavish kind of faded away after a goal he scored. And Xavier, I'm going to take a gamble on his last name, Bogot. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, yeah. he was basically, it was, well, I wasn't a fan. It didn't, it didn't look like he had an overall great game. It didn't shied away from contact. He was kind of chirping from the bench. It wasn't, uh, wasn't for me. Yeah. I'm going to, Reset you because we're not. Oh, I can come in and out one second. Okay, I'll just do that because it's yeah. There we go. Just gonna get Seamus back on the on the horn here because it's been a little choppy, but we'll see what happens here. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with him for the most part. I thought McTavish had a pretty good game. I I, I thought it was his best game for for a while for him. And if you're watching the video, I am combing my hair. It's a it's a thing for me where I. I want to. I want my hair to be okay, and it's the weather today uh, that's been a little chaotic. But we're gonna bring Seamus back in. There we go. Now it's telling the audience. I uh, on. I have on standby the old um, the comb. Uh, because uh, it was a busy enough day, and you got the warm weather and some wind. You never know where this is gonna take you. So I just wanted to make sure it was uh, adequate for the show. Yeah, yeah, you get that frantic hair going. It's uh, it's interesting. You and Warman both growing out the the oh, lettuce. Yeah. It's kind of funny. You the hair too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Attended the game last night with Dawson. It's funny. We were out for a drink beforehand, and uh, and of any pub, you know, just the smallest little hole in the wall. And who walks in? It's Gerard Gallant who did the ceremonial puck drop. But you know, uh, obviously he's from the island. I'm sure he spent some time here in the Maritimes, but. Uh, just funny to see a guy like that just stroll into any old pub. Yeah, it is pretty cool because he he dropped the puck last night with uh, Sam Dub McFalls, right? Yeah. Yes. So, the old UMB captain. So that yeah, it was cool to see the two of them together. And I think Gerard's yeah. been in St. John the whole damn time. I've seen him at, at every game. So um, you know, good good to hear that. Um, I had a big chat to be, be begin the show. And I, I had this take yesterday, and I had a few people push back on me on it, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Is Danny Alfredson a Hall of Famer? Danny Elf. Um, 
Is Alex McGillney a Hall of Famer? What's that? Is Alex McGillney a Hall of Famer? I think he is more than uh, Daniel Alfredson. Then why is Alex McGillney still left off the, the Hall of Fame? I'm aware, yeah. Uh, that frustrates me. That frustrates me a little bit. It feels like the year of the Swede. We got a bunch of Swedens. Just you just throw them in there. I don't know what uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame committee must have done to piss off that that group of people. But yeah, no, I I, I don't think Danny should get in before a guy like McGillney. And maybe this maybe there's. I'd love to be enlightened by somebody else, but I'm not a sense hardo. And uh, you know, getting to a cup doesn't mean you won a cup, and that's pretty much all Alferson ever did in his career. Was he a good player? Absolutely. But I think there's some people who should be above him. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna reset because we keep uh, for some reason it keeps chopping up here. I don't know why, but um, gonna... I'm gonna see because yeah, it's been. Um, been a little choppy, but yeah, McGillney to me is a Hall of Famer. He won a cup, something Dylan Overson didn't do. Incredibly productive player. One thing I noticed with this draft class is McGillney played a cup of coffee with the Leafs towards the tail end of his career. He wasn't exactly the greatest player when he played for the Leafs, right? But you see, every player is on it is a Canadian. He's on a Canadian team: the Sedins, Luongo, Albertson, and at one point all. Four of them were captains for uh, the respective Canadian teams. So I think if Dan Elferton is a captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I don't think he gets into the Hall of Fame. I, I think the Canadian bump helps him a lot. Yeah, that's that's a that's a decent bias take. I, I see that for sure. And being a captain, I guess, should push you through uh, to an extent. I look at Shea Weber and what he's done outside of, um, you know, yeah crapping up in Nashville for a while, even though he was a great player. He's been captain for two teams. He's got lots of on his resume outside of the NHL with um, World Cup slash um, Olympics. So a guy like that should be in there too. I mean, not that he's retired, but just comparing two guys that have never won a ring before. Um, Alfredson did, well, I believe Alfredson was there in 06 when Sweden won. So that probably does mm -hmm. get him a little higher than McGillney. Obviously Russia has never won a gold medal. Um, since I don't know, God knows when. Um, so yeah, that, that's the only take I see on it. Was, was I up in arms about it? No. Uh, you know, I, we, we spoke about this podcast before about Alex trying to get in and I think he was well-deserved. Um, and I, that's an interesting little take for the Leafs too. You know, maybe he did piss off a couple people when he played there. And, uh, it's one committee that doesn't seem to forget when you do something wrong. Yeah, that's certainly the truth. Uh, I mean, just that, just ask the Leaf fans that were offended by Nazem Kadri's comments the other day, and they'll, they're, they're, I think they're buttered about that forever. But um, <laughs> call, call, before we get to the NBA, Colorado wins, and mm. obviously a great, great team. They they break through finally. I'm, I'm happy for them. Good for you know Alex Newhook uh, from from Newfoundland and McKinnon from Atlanta, Canada, and all of that. But I, I'm going to ask you, a Leafs fan. Did you take umbrage with what Nazem Kadri had to say, or are you happy that Kadri won? How do you how do you sit with Kadri and the aftermath of? Uh, I'm happy. I, I, we texted about this in the group. One of our, the third of our, I'd say group chat was not so happy. Nazem Kadri was a Stanley Cup champion, but I know I, I am happy. You know his his Leaf days were good. He was a great player. 
Um, and one thing about Kadri, he pours his heart and soul out into the game. And sometimes that just overpill, uh, overspilled and became messy. And you saw that. But, you know, uh, this is great. And not, not to piggyback off of another podcast, but Overdrive made a great point. You know, Nazem Kadri left and we still lost three years in the first round. So it wasn't Nazem Kadri's mm-hmm. fault that we're that we were losing every single year. Right. And uh, yeah, and, and for, for Kadri and to, to play, I guess, the dual side of it was 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 Kadri a, a liability for some of those years? Maybe, probably not. But did he mature as soon as he got to Colorado and said, you know, I can't keep doing the same shit year over year because it's not going to work? Yeah, I think he did. So as much as he wants to say, you know, that it wasn't on me. Like I, you know, I, I did nothing wrong. I, I don't feel that either. I feel like at the time he did, was costing his team by being an idiot out of the ice, but I, I'm not going to throw my hands up and say, well, why would you say that? You know, that's, that's not any real Leaf fans got to just nod your head and say, Hey, former Leaf won a cup and that's it. Yeah, you could say by osmosis you won a cup because a former Leaf did, right? Uh, no, no, I cannot. No, doesn't count. I, I, I'll probably go six feet under before any Toronto Maple Leaf rises above their head. Uh, real Leaf, I guess. But, yeah, good good for him. Great series. And uh, your boy here called it. I said six games, Colorado. Nailed that right on the head. Um, you know, is there an asterisk that's going to be put around this series with uh, the too many men call and, you know, maybe a couple now? I, I always think about that, you know, I think about that, not that it's even in the close, but you think about the Dallas goal with uh, Brett Hall being in the crease, stuff like that. I know it's not to that extent, but I feel like some Tampa fans are still going to be left thinking they got stolen away from an opportunity. That's fine. It's not. I, I disagree with that. But like it, the, the, it's hard to admit that you lost, and they've had so For much sure. success. So, you know, I think it's tough to – to, to hear that, but I think, you know, no asterisks. Like, your Celtics got to a final. I don't put an asterisk next to Chris Middleton being injured. Do I think mm. Milwaukee would have beat the Celtics in a seven-game series? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't I don't look at it that way. You, you beat who's in front of you, the Raptors in 2019. Do I think the Warriors beat them fully healthy? Yeah, I think they smoked them. But, hey, Clay tore his Achilles. And Kevin Durant tore his Achilles, and Steph Curry was banged up, and the the Raptors won. So I, I just you have to beat who who's in front of you. And right. if people are saying asterisks, whatever, screw them because they're they're just they're envious of your of your position. Yeah. One last note: Do we uh, do we feel a little differently about Kucherov after what happened on the bench and in, uh, in Game Six? I'm gonna need you to reset. I can't. Um, you're cutting out real. I can't hear you. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on today. That the audio, which normally is crystal clear, but it's not, not crisp today. But hopefully, uh, we can get a better connection. I can, I can reset on my end as well. But I don't think because the connection's been good the entire first half of the of the show with just yours truly. But yeah, I it, for Tampa, it's obviously a tough loss. It is. They they were two time. Cup champs, they got to another final. I just, I give Tampa even that much more respect that you get the three in a row. And I, I looked at their list of injuries today, and I'll bring Seamus back in. If you didn't get to see it, Braden Point tore his quad, pretty serious injury. He played two games on that torn quad after, which is just insane. 
you had Ryan McDonough had a broken thumb and it was actually written mangled finger. So there you go. That mangled even sounds worse than broken finger. You had multiple guys with separated shoulders. Uh, Nick Paul had a, a torn MCL. It's the fact that they got to game six of the cup final, the way that they were beaten up. I think that it just shows how much fight that this team had. And you can't teach that. Like this team is just built like, like a winner. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with that. But yeah, no kudos to them. And I'm, I am curious about this Montreal and the, and the first, first overall pick, because I think it's pandemonium if they don't take Shane Wright. The draft is a week from Thursday in Montreal. They'll be on the clock. And again, I like the I like the Slovakian kid. I've I watched a lot of him this year at the World Juniors. I've seen him at the the Olympics where he scored seven goals at the Olympics in in six games as a seventeen year old kid against grown men. Uh, but I expect Montreal to take Shane Wright, but I find it that much more interesting that an organization that loves Euros more than any other person on planet Earth now seems to have an opening through Bobby Margarita to take another Euro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can't miss again is the only thing I got to say. And I, I guess it would lean towards Wright because he is the known name. He is the North American where... You look when they look when they took Cockneyami. You know you can still see the fans' faces. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it feels like they have to take him because there's a lot of outside pressure to take him from the fans. And like you said, this kid's probably better. I, if the Bob Father says he's better, he's probably better. Let's just be honest. This guy knows more than anybody in this goddamn earth about mm-hmm. youth hockey. Yes, and margaritas. So he's. he's exactly, margaritas. Yeah, he's exactly I'd like to try one. They haven't made it out here yet, but uh, I know. Next, I want to. I'm going to try one uh, when when it comes down. But yeah, no Bobby margarita in New Brunswick yet. Let's get to the NBA because free agency starts Thursday technically with the talking period, and then it's like a week later. Yeah. But basically, it starts Thursday because all these teams are tampering already. <laughs> but the big news is Kyrie Irving. Last night, mm. through Sham Shrini of the of the Athletic, writes this cryptic. If all the people in the world are normal, then I'm going to be different. Or again, I didn't get the whole quote because it wasn't worth repeating. It was a Kyrie Irving, you know, one hundred and one type thing where he's so woke and he's you know he's the smartest guy, but he's opting in, taking his thirty seven million because he couldn't find any other team that wanted him other than the Lakers. And the Lakers were offering up Russell Westbrook, and the Nets said, we are not going to take your problem for our problem. So does this say to you Kyrie Irving is 100% going to be a net come the start of next season, or is there still something that could be worked out? I still think there's something that could be worked out for sure. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Did I think that the opt worked in uh, Brooklyn's favor? I think so. Uh, for one, it's going to say, okay, Kevin Durant, we're going to keep this team competitive. Even if we lose Kyrie Irving for nothing, um, then what, you know, what's he going to stay around there for? There's nothing coming back for him. But yeah, no, I, I like this move. It's going to keep Durant interested. Um, if Irving becomes a problem during the year, okay, we'll ship him and we'll get anything back for him. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of the way to look at it. <sighs> Is, is it 
is it going to be questioned all off season whether this guy is going to show up day one and be Kyrie Irving of the Cleveland era? Yeah, it will be because he's just such a. I want I want to say unique because it makes him sound interesting. He's such a pain in the ass, quite yep. frankly, and yeah, they. It, it, it's just it's just gonna be so. I don't know. It, it's gonna be a riddled season uh, if it goes off like last year because there's no COVID. But is Kyrie gonna be fully in the game or is he gonna be fully out? I love the starting lineup of Curry, Irving, Simmons, and Durant. That sounds fascinating to me um, and something I'd love to watch. But you know, is is it gonna be complete? I don't know. Yeah, I mean Simmons. We don't even obviously. I don't trust him to play a game yet. He might be saying he's getting back contusion. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I don't trust him to play next year, even like with a great team. So that's up in the air. Kyrie Irving could, you know, want to run for office, or could want to go to space, or could want to see if the world is flat or round, or whatever the hell he believes in next. So he might want to try that exploration, and then that leaves Kevin Durant with Seth Curry and whoever else on the league men. So I I would love for Kevin Durant to say, get me the hell out of here. That would make the NBA so much. It'd be really interesting. I think the Heat with Kevin Durant would work swimmingly. I think they can make a move there. The Heat are a team that's close. They need a superstar player. I don't think that's going to happen. I thought it was, it could have maybe come, come to be if Kyrie Irving said, get me the hell out of here. Because I do mm. think if Kyrie leaves, say he ends up on the Lakers, because apparently he wanted to go there and they could still try to work out something because I get the Nets. Oh, I, I read a report last night that Kyrie basically called, told Steve Nash that he's a crappy coach and that, you know, he was hiding behind uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, all-star trophies. So basically calling out his coach saying he doesn't need one half the time. So I mean, Kevin Durant's not going to stay in Brooklyn with nobody. I mean, maybe if they make a move with, with the, I mean, I don't even see who the Lakers could trade back, like who the Lakers would, because Russell Westbrook is not going to the Nets. Yeah, no, no, that's, that, that's, that's the thing. If you only have one destination you want to go to, that makes it super, super tight and trying to get a deal put together, especially with the Lakers mismanagement they've had over the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good storyline, but at the end of the year, I think, I think I'll ask you this. Do you think Kyrie Irving's a net at the beginning of next season? Um, yes. I, I think he is too. I, yeah, I, I think so. I, I just don't think there's going to be enough teams. I want to see him. If you're Brooklyn, here's a, here's a scenario. He comes in, plays 20 games, looks fantastic. Looks like Kyrie Irving, that is motivated, wants to play. Maybe you're going to get a couple more buyers on that market. And maybe he's he's willing to leave. I don't know. He, he, I'm sure he's not on a no move trade or a no move clause, right? No, they can move him whenever they want. Yeah. So it's like come come back, come ready to play. Brooklyn's if Brooklyn's great, and you think okay, we, maybe we have a run with this team. Even better, you can try and keep them. But at the end of the day. Kyrie's going to look out for himself. That's just his motivation. That's that's always be his motivation. He doesn't care. You know, I used to think that Kyrie was really all about, oh, like I, I want to get another championship and I want to win. I don't think that more about him. He doesn't care. No, it's just about him now. I think it, it's just what 
could he act more crazy, things like that, like just do more stupid shit. You got Westbrook opting in. And there's a mm. lot of bad contracts in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook are right up there. Russell Westbrook's going to make $47 million next year for a guy who can't shoot, who is not a great passer, and is a shitty teammate. So that's a good contract to have on your team. And it's a good Why? job by GM LeBron. Who, whoever made the player option is just – it must be just <laughs> laughing because, like, all of these player options, it's like, yeah – yeah, I didn't do anything for you next year, but yeah, I'll take my $35 million. Or, oh, yeah, like I, I know I'm probably worth about a million, but yeah, I'm going to collect my $35 million check. Thank you very much. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, obviously it's it's made for the players and it's made to say, you know, give them more rights and it's it's made for them to give them more power, but it's obviously diluting most of these franchises because it's just sucking all of the funds right out of them yeah you got no hope you got no chance you get you just got to sit on it and wait for it to expire basically before you can even think of being competitive the lakers are, are gonna be the same team next year exactly. nobody's gonna take westbrook they refuse to tr- trade anthony davis and they're not going to trade lebron so they're, they're going to be the same team with more bit pieces that they hope can shoot threes one move that i think hurts the lakers i like this move last night's a sneaky little move but the Houston Rockets and John Wall agreed to a buyout. And they're going to pay him $41.6 million. He's going to make 47 as well if he didn't play last year. But the Clippers signed him for the $6.4 million exemption. He hasn't played in almost two years. But if he's a bench guy, Shay, I like John Wall for that money. I think that's a good little Me value. It's, you're taking a chance. But I like the Clippers doing that because they're going to have Kawhi back. They're going to have Paul George healthy, Reggie Jackson. they got a solid team there. I like adding John Wall to that mix. Yeah, if he if he's okay, and this is a guy who's played less than 15 games on a bench coming off mm-hmm. of it, if he's okay with being that bench guy and being that leader to that second unit, imagine how strong this team is. Like, I have it written down here. Like, you're looking at your starting lineup. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Leonard. George Zubak, if he resigns there, mm-hmm. that's an okay. That's a pretty solid uh, starting lineup. Behind that wall, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Senior, your boy, mm-hmm. and then Covington. That's a deep bench. That's it's a really, team. really deep bench. Which not yeah. just scoring power. It's Defense. like, yeah, they've got the defenders in there as well. And you know, you're thinking about a team two years ago that made a conference final. I don't think it's outright mind to say that they could do the same thing this year if all, if Wall plays like he can, which is you know being a good passer and uh, being able to create offense. Yeah, and I think for the West, I mean, Golden State is still there, but Denver's up in the air because J- uh, Jalen Brunson might not be there come next yes. year. I don't, yeah. you know, he. Might want too much money. Maybe the Knicks will overpay him and they'll lose 50 games with him as their best player next year. I could see them doing that. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, Mavericks will be up there. Denver, I think, is going to be a sneaky good team because they should be healthy. So if they can stay healthy, I think they'll be pretty good. But the West is the easier conference now, to mm-hmm. me anyway. Because Phoenix is getting older. I think the East is getting, you know, you got your Celtics over there. You got Milwaukee. I think the Raptors are getting better. Uh, I think Detroit got better via the draft and just, I think they're going to make some moves here. So mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the West strike while the iron's hot because you can, you can get to the finals with a team like the Clippers roster. 
Right. And speaking of the West, and one guy that basically said he's not going anywhere, is what do we think of Damian Lillard staying suit and uh, Portland bringing in Jeremy Grant, uh, power forward from yeah. Detroit? I don't mind the Jeremy Grant ad. I think Jeremy Grant's a good player. He's definitely not your best player. He proved that in Detroit. But mm. um, I think they need to add another piece for sure. I don't know who that is. You know, It looks like Bradley Beal is going to stay put in – in DC, he would have been a good fit with Damian Lillard, I think. Uh, but he's likely going to stay there. Maybe Zach Levine, if that. Mm. But again, he's always hurt too, so that's a he's that's a concern. But he might be your best option because there's not that many high end talents available. There's right. there's bit pieces that can help your team, but if you're Portland, I think Simons is a really good player. He's a, he's on the roster. I like him a lot. But you need another splash to really be in the mix to even make a dent in the playoffs. This name got floated around a couple of times. It might have been put to rest. But what about OGN and Obi? Is he a guy you could see going to this team and being a, ch- a changer? Or is he not enough? I think he's a good player. Uh, you know, is he your third or fourth option? Do you look at the Raptors right now? I think Siakam... I think Scotty Barnes and I think Van Fleet are all more important than OG on that Mm. team. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree with that. So, and that's a team that didn't, or they didn't make the playoffs, but they barely, they barely made the playoffs. So with that being said, he's your, he's barely an option on that team. I think he's similar in Portland because they got, they got a worse roster than, than the Raptors do right now. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is not having Yusuf Nurtic. Um, he's not fine. He's a unrestricted free agent. It's his time run thin. Obviously it's riddled with injuries, but when this mm-hmm. guy does play, he seems to be a game changer. If you think about the Western conference run, they made a few years ago, where does he end up? Or do you think he resigns? Do you think he's looking for something new now that his contract's over? If I'm Portland, I move on. Yeah. Uh, I, he's like I said, he's too, he's injured too often. He's not. And what I don't like about him, he's a big that doesn't really fight for space. He gets pushed around a lot. Where if you, if you could make a push for DeAndre Ayton, I would do that. Wow. Okay. Ayton to Portland. Because I don't think, I don't think that Phoenix is going to retain him. So he's going to go no. somewhere. I, I have a few teams written down. I have, Portland with a question mark. I think Indiana is a front runner for him. Indiana with Halliburton, with Benedict Matherin, who they just drafted, the Canadian. And, you know, that their roster is better than, you know, you remember we might think if they could trade Brogdon, who they want to move anyway, who's always rumored to be traded every second day. If he could be moved, Miles Turner could potentially be flipped in that deal as well to, yeah. to the Phoenix Suns and, Aiton goes and he signs a max with Indiana with a sign and trade type deal. That's something that could work. Yeah. Is it, is it true that the Phoenix owner is cheap? I, I like, I've yeah. seen rumors around yeah. that he doesn't want to pay him because he's cheap and he doesn't think he's worth the cash, but I'm not, I didn't know that for sure. He so. is cheap and he's also being investigated from the league right now when it comes to sexual harassment type charges and he might actually lose the team in the next couple months. Ah. Uh. So, yeah, old uh, Mike Garver, I believe his last name is there in Phoenix. So, yeah, it's it's interesting there. It's interesting in Phoenix. Mm. 
but they they they're at a crossroads because they need to make up their mind on what they want to do because yeah they only have chris ball who's back. getting older and older right right yeah because Aiden, you'll you'll be happy you don't got to pay him but also you wake up in the morning and you're looking around and saying well who's going to be our five that's yeah. the that's the dilemma yeah, the trade I had in my mind was with them in Atlanta where Clint Capella comes back. Oh, okay. And, you know, they probably sweeten it with like a – John Collins? A herder maybe or, yeah, maybe – Collins would probably be a bit much. But, you know, if you get someone else in there that's uh, that can add a little bit of value and you know that you're getting rid of Aiton no matter what, then you could make something like that work where you still have a center and then you grab another piece. But – yeah, I mean, it's a con, it's a max contract, but maybe in two, three years, maybe he is a, yeah, a 24 and, you know, 15 type player. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's only 23. So, you know, what's what's the issue, right? But you brought it up before. Inconsistency in the playoffs seems to be a big thing. But how do you know that's not just him being a young guy? I mean, Christ. Yeah, it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to manage because, like you said, he is so he is so young and he's got a decent shot for a big man. Like he can shoot an 18 foot jumper mm. where not a lot of bigs can't, I, but you look around, like, would you rather have Aiton or JV one game for your life? Jonas Valanciunas. Probably JV. Exactly. JV is probably looked at as one of the, the lower tier centers. Would you yeah, have Nurkic or Aiton one game? Oh, Aiton. Yeah. I'd rather have Aiton too. <laughs> you, look around, you look around, but like I, I think Valanciunas is better than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he's I, I think good, so. Yeah, yeah. Like, top I think ten he's for sure. Pretty good top player. Ten centers. Yeah, which yeah. is not an easy easy bracket to, to break into now nowadays because there is there's some good ones. Um, Ivan Zubak, a guy I mentioned earlier, he's kind of on the cuff of staying or leaving. What do you think about him going to a place like Brooklyn that now needs kind of they kind of need uh, a starter? Mm-hmm. Do you think that works? I just don't know what they'd be able to deal in that, you know, what, what, what they put in that package. I mean, is Ben Simmons going to, going to Phoenix? Who knows? Who knows? That'd be LA, LA Clippers. Um, but yeah, yeah but no. I think it's tough to pull off. I just don't know what they, because they don't have that many assets because they, yeah, they true. lost a bunch of James Harden and they got, they did get some back, but you'd like to have a roster player in that deal if you're Phoenix, because you're, you're still competing at the same time. So that's, it's, I think yeah. he ends up somewhere, but I, I think Phoenix will want a decent haul for him, even though they know they're stuck with their pants down, knowing that he's not playing for your team next year. Right. Yeah. Tough, tough situation. Another question mark I have over a guy who he's earned the money significantly, uh, Clay Thompson. This guy just won a championship. It's on top of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's got to be moved. He's got two years left at 40 and then $43 million. And he is not a $40 million player. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for anyone who's a Gold State fan. You have to think about signing Jordan Poole, who could be your replacement splash brother. Do you have to try and find this guy a new home, or is there no urgency on trying to get him moved out of here? I, I understand that logic, and I'm if I was in that position, I might trade him too. But I think if you get rid of Clay, it, it affects the locker room, and I think Steph's pissed off. I think Draymond's pissed off. Where I think for Golden State, they're just going to look at it and say, you know what, we'll pay Pool what he wants, and we'll pay X amount of money in luxury tax. They played okay. almost three. They played over three hundred million last year. 
in luxury uh-huh. tax. That was their that was their over in in salary and luxury tax money. They paid over three hundred million dollars last year. But to get to the final, getting to the finals and winning it with all the money they made through their stadium, they made almost a billion dollars. So they're still okay. they're still doing pretty good for themselves. I think they're just going to say, you know what, we're all in again, and we'll pay Poole what he wants. I fully expect Gary Payton to be back on the Golden State Warriors next year. They'll find a way to keep him. It some owners just won't pay. You know that luxury tax. This owner, he's got all kinds of money. Silicon Valley. He doesn't give a shit out in the Bay Area. They just want to keep winning. So I think if, if you're on another team, Clay, you try to move him. But I think for Golden State, they they keep him. Okay, okay. Just like the Dodgers, just keep overpaying. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> It'll eventually catch up to you. But I think they still think they're in a window to win. So I, I don't see it happening. How about Zion Williamson? Ooh. He is... He can be signed to a max extension as early as the end of this week. And he didn't play all of last year. I think he's played in a little over 100 games in his career. He's releasing videos every other day now where he's got different angles where he's looking thin and trim, but then you see other pictures and he's not. So you're like, okay, is this, is this doctored or what the hell's happening with Zion? He, I, it's Some impossible to know. Yeah, you can, three, you can still 360 dunk. But we haven't seen him play in a year. If you are Nalens, do you give him a max extension? Absolutely not. Not a chance I'd give this guy uh, a cent. You have to play a guy like a Kyle Zahn, You have to pay him on what you see. AD, AT is different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aiden is different because you've seen him play. He's got playoff experience. Williamson has none of that, and he is just been non-existent. Uh, you have you have to give this guy some kind of bridge deal slash a reality check. And if he says no, I'm I'm a max or I'm leaving. Part ways with him because he was it was never meant to be. And you'll if you sign him to a max, you'll end up regretting it. I guarantee that. I guarantee that. I would do it. Uh, gosh, that's a bad take. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. After three years, Joel Embiid had played 67 games in the NBA. Yes. After three years, Zion Williamson has played over 100. So he's played more than, than Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had a bad back, had a bad foot. We did not know he was going to be a great player. We thought he might be, but he hadn't proven it yet. Somewhere to Zion, right? He went third overall. Zion went first. You got you got to hope, you got to hope, and you're working with the guy every day. In New Orleans, you don't get superstars all the time. People aren't lining up to come to the Smoothie King Arena to play basketball. People don't want to come to New Orleans. I'd visit in a second, but people don't want to live in New Orleans. So, I just look at the Joel Embiid. It's so top of mind. It's it's the recent history, and he's turned into a great player. You know, MVP. Uh, front runner the past two, three seasons. So I think you take a chance on Williamson and hope that he can turn into that player that Joel Embiid turned into. Two two things I'll take away from this. And okay. I love, love, love debate and discussion on this. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia at that era was such in such a bad, bad position 
mm-hmm. where they were they would have gave and be that they would have given be equity shares into, into the 76ers <laughs> right i don't think new orleans is all that bad they, they made the they're playoffs they're a good team zion wasn't zion wasn't there and to maybe maybe to your point maybe if he is there maybe they're a better team but I just don't like that. And my second point being Zion Williamson jumps up in the air far more than Joel Embiid does. Zion Williamson probably weighs the same amount as Joel Embiid. <laughs> if he is, if he, if they said, listen, you can, we'll sign you to a max contract, but you have to lose X amount of weight. And every year you have to come to camp. You probably can't do this with, you know, for ethical reasons. No, you can if then if you could then you say you, you show can, up you the weight put, you could put you can put it on games played too okay yeah so you could put a max deal work. say if he plays a certain amount of minutes if he plays certain they did that with Embiid. yeah so that that's a fair point you play this many games a year or in the course of three seasons this mm-hmm. is what you'll get paid that's that's acceptable but i just don't know i like new orleans out right now as a team i'd have a hard time seeing you know and then if you're tied to them then you don't get anybody in there. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, we're putting all our eggs in this one basket who, yeah, it's, he, he's a great dunker and he looks flashy when he does it. But mm. I don't know. I, you have more faith in him than I do, but that's that's fine. I, I, I agree. I, New Orleans, I like their team a lot. I and mean, we were talking about this last week. I think they can – I think – I mean, they made the playoffs this year. They mm. won six games with Phoenix. They got – B.I.'s gotten a whole lot better. McCollum yeah. fit in very well there. I love Alvarado, the little gnat that make Chris Paul go crazy. Herb Jones, great, great uh, rookie season for him. Absolutely. So they got pieces. And I just think Zion could be such a difference maker. And maybe he can draw more people to New Orleans if he is playing well. But you can put restrictions like Trent Brown in New England. If he's under 375 pounds every time there's a weight, there's a weight uh, every time there's a weighing, so training camp, I think it's a couple weeks into the season, he gets a roster bonus. If he's under 375 pounds when he gets to those, so you can do it. It can be put in the contract that you certain like weight when it comes to minutes, like all that can be okay. included. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kept some of those on Zion. I'm surprised. I guess he's still in his rookie, so it's kind of hard to tell a rookie to get the hell in shape but those those days are done yeah. um who do i have down here zach levine we t- you mentioned him earlier this guy seems like he's going to the sh- going back to the bulls if there was another location for him where would you want him you said portland was there any other teams you could see this guy playing for i heard the lakers oh, of course <laughs> yeah i mean that's all you hear is the lakers next the next like, oh, and lakers the next and lakers yeah, yeah. Lakers. Are, that's all you hear you don't even hear about any other team so it's a shock when he, when they go anywhere else um i like him but i don't know if the bulls are that much worse without him yeah yeah they've got young talent too which is the thing they've they've mm-hmm. got to start letting their young guys kind of pull it together I, I agree with that. Um, one place I have them under, and you can call me out on this, I have the Nuggets. Um, I could see a deal where Barton and um, – what's his name? Aaron Gordon, something mm-hmm. like that, going back so you can free up some cal- – uh, free up some space. I think the Nuggets are right there. They get Murray back. You're going to have two-time MVP. I think they'll be a great team. You add another piece to that, I think they can be lethal. So right. uh, somewhere, I could, somewhere I could see them going. 
Does anybody get moved off the Utah Jazz? I think Donovan Mitchell will. I think he's frustrated. I think I think they're frustrated with him. <laughs> um, I think Conley's gone. You know, I I, I could full on seeing a full rebuild in not two years for this team. Yeah, I agree. And they've got the opportunity. And I really like this team too. I had them as a, a heavy favorite going into last season and they disappointed me. But yeah, no, I, I think you got to look off some of their pieces and they've got aged guys there as well. Like you said, Conley Ingles is older. Uh, Bogdanovich is, he's getting up there in age as well too. So it's, it's only going to be a matter of time before this team gets stripped down and see where all these guys go to. I think the heat make a move of some kind I mentioned Duran earlier. I think, I could see them getting Donovan Mitchell. They can flip. Right. Maybe maybe Hero goes back or Duncan Robinson. A package of those type players. I could see Donovan Mitchell ending up in Miami. Go Bear. I trade them both because, like you said, they just hired a new coach, uh, Will Hardy, who was the assistant coach on the yes for Boston on the Celtics bench. Uh, so he's the new he's the new head coach there. Kind of a tough spot for him because he's walking into I think a, a blazing fire. I mean, they, they hired their coach after the draft, which is not great to begin with, but, you know, it just kind of tells you where this team's at right now. But if I'm Will Hardy, I kind of – I'd rather them start rebuilding right now so that I can start fresh and start building my own core, my own culture, without the toxicity that's been that's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. I'd love to see some new blood. I'd love to see Miami – go out and grab somebody uh, effective and somebody that's going to make a difference. Um, obviously they've been on the cuff for years. They've, they've got a, I said they got a window with Jimmy cause it seems like he's somewhere too long. You just can't stay still and he ends up snapping at somebody or throwing somebody under the bus. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just a matter of time before they make a big move. Durant might be out of that picture, but Donovan Mitchell uh, by far isn't. And I think he could go there too. Canada Day this weekend, long weekend. Uh, yes. Any big, any big plans for yourself? Nothing major. Probably try and get on the water. Um, probably be seeing you a little bit uh, if I if I pass you by on your way to 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 the uh, capital. But uh, other than that, nothing. No big plans. Just try to keep quiet. See some family. Uh, big school presentation uh, coming up next week. So even though I like to have some fun, I got to keep it half tamed and uh, you know. No, not be a bag of bones by the end of the weekend. Right. That's good. But, That's good. Good and responsible of you. So I'm happy to hear that. Uh, <laughs> maturing, no. maturing slowly. <laughs> well, no. Uh, well, thanks for, thanks for coming on today. And maybe I'll talk to you tomorrow when I'm up, uh, up your way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to St. John. I mean, a hell of a crew. I mean, this team, this team has done a lot of great things and uh, yeah, they can, I, I called it, I think it last week when I said that Edmonton by far, they were best team on paper, you know, and what team is, what team was uh, on the outside looking in was Edmonton. So yeah, I good, said this good for St. John. What, what would it mean for St. John to, to win this game tomorrow as my last outing question before I take off? I think it's big because Halifax didn't win it when they hosted, they got to the final Moncton didn't win it. They got to the final way back when, when they lost to the Ron Parr in the final. So these teams from teams in the queue are winning it. They're just not maritime teams primarily. At Halifax in 2013, Teton, they won the Teton. But you know, St. John got to the Memorial Cup with the Shabbat core team and uh, Spencer Spallman, who just recently won a Calder Cup in the American Hockey League. So congratulations mm -hmm. to him. But 
I think it's big because it keeps the Q train rolling. The Maritimes have got the World Juniors. If you can get a winner down here, you get more and more momentum pushing mm -hmm. towards the Maritimes. So hopefully it's a great crowd. It's a good game. And I know you'll be pulling St. John. As always, I could care less who wins, but I'm just looking for – I'm hoping for a good game. Yes, yeah. Well, for your for your sake, I wish you a good game, and uh, I'll be watching on TV and scouting for you and that and that lettuce. But uh, yeah, no, I hope hope you thoroughly <laughs> enjoy the game and then uh, safe travels on the way down here. All right. Well, thanks for joining. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, buddy. There's Seamus Fulmer. Yeah, it's, the lettuce. It is. It's 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 a, it's an organism in and of itself. This hair. It's hard to contain, but we're trying our best here in the podcast to do it. Uh, just news now, Felix Ojealiasim, ranked number six in the world, loses to Maxim Cressy of the United States in the first round at Wimbledon. I thought that would happen. I just had a feeling that that seemed to be – that's what happens with these players. With Canadian – in particular, Canadian te tennis players, young guys that are trying to get to that next level, trying to be in the same conversation as the Djokovic's as the Nadal's, and normally they flame out. And that's what happens for Felix Ojeda-Aliassim here. Loses in the first round. It's it's a kick to the pills. It's not good. It, it's a tough it's a tough blow for for Felix, who had a great run at the French Open, who had you know he battled uh, Nadal there, where they went five sets, and now he loses in the first round. This is this is a big disappointment for him. Yes, it's a different surface. I realize all of that. But he had bigger aspirations than to lose in the first round, rank number six. We talked about Wimbledon, where there's no Russians at this tournament, no Rublev, no Medvedev, who's number one in the world. There's no, on the women's side, there's no Victoria Azarenka, who's a, from uh, Belarus, so she's also not allowed here. And then this morning I read that Matteo Berrettini, who was the runner-up last year, loses to Djokovic in four sets, and Marin Cilic, who's a 2017 runner-up here, and he made the sem semifinal at the French Open, are not competing this year because they both tested positive for COVID-19. There should be no COVID-19 testing at this event. It's over. I don't know why we're still why we're still testing, why they're still testing at these events. It's ridiculous. Djokovic is there playing. He's not vaccinated, but these guys who are vaccinated get COVID and can't play. How does that make any sense? I, I just find it so stupid that this is happening. Serena Williams is there. They need Serena to win. They need Serena to get a few wins. She doesn't have to win this tournament, but they need her to win a few matches. She was in a tough match. I, she was just, as we were going live, she was on court. It didn't look like it was going to going great for her. But you have the Canadian men go out, Djokovic and Nadal. Nadal won in four sets today. And obviously they want Nadal Djokovic final. They're on opposite sides of the of the bracket. That's their ideal final. Because there's not Hubert Hercos, who made the semifinal here last year, out in the first round. So you have the number seven seed and the number six seed out on the men's draw. Shabavov is number eleven. He could be out. There's no Medvedev, there's no Rublev. There's going to be new blood. That's for sure. Just, it, it's interesting to see what happens with all of this. What happens with, who takes advantage of this opportunity? Is there a guy in the men's draw? Hulgar Rune, who made the semifinal. He, uh, Serena Williams is currently on center court. This is live right now. 
She is in the third set. It's one. She's down one, one, uh, one love in the third set. Today, Shelby Rogers got beat out. Bianca Andreescu cruises to a win. She's actually in a good position, which is rare to say. When it comes to Bianca Andreescu, she looks like she's in good shape to go on a run here. Nick Curios got a win today. Sissy Poss wins in four sets. Shapovalov rallies. He wins the fourth and fifth, so Shapovalov does get through the match. That's a big deal. Ojeleya Seam is out. Uh, Nadal. So Serena Williams is the last big name left on court. We got matches tomorrow, but we'll we'll see what happens when we get there. Like I said, no show tomorrow. We'll be back Thursday as I go to the Memorial Cup. So I hope you guys all enjoy your, your Wednesdays. Enjoy the game. We'll be back to talk Thursday here on To The Point.